Welcome to this message from the teaching ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Orlando, Florida, under the leadership of Senior Pastor Mike Osborne. Well, today I'd like to uh, read God's Word, which I think um, you'll find it on page 73 in uh, the church, or the Bibles underneath the chairs. Please follow along with me. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sins of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Kim. Well, we're going to continue our sermon series on the Ten Commandments, looking at number nine today. And then uh, next week, Mike will preach on number ten, and then we'll move on into a different series. So I just wanted to say, I hope this uh, series has been a blessing to you like it has been to my family. Uh, We just, it's been so really refreshing and and powerful to go back and look at these commandments. And uh, so I hope you have enjoyed the journey as much as Mike and I have and Seth has uh, in preaching on them. But we're uh, talking about the ninth commandment today. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. And I, all week I was thinking, you know, what an interesting commandment to be looking at uh, at this time of this year in this current season uh, when we're seeing certain advertisements on TV and on the radio and even on the Internet about the upcoming uh, election. So we are in an election year, and so we are totally being inundated with... Uh, messages that seem to be in maybe a little contention with the old ninth commandment if you think about it and it's interesting like the the goal of the campaigns in these advertisements seems to be instead of saying to us here's our candidate here's why he or she is good and you should vote for them they decided not to do that they said that doesn't work let's do this Let's completely destroy the other candidate and make them look absolutely horrible and convince people that if they're elected, the world will end. 
and then maybe our candidate will look a little better. And so it seems like they have this, this goal of sort of tearing down the opponent and that might lift up their candidate in our eyes. And there's two reasons why this drives me nuts. Two, at least. Uh, number one is it's everywhere. And we see it all the time right now. I'm just so thankful November 6th is coming because we see it all the time. Let me tell you a story. I have children, three of them. I love them. And you know what they like to do? Sing. And uh, a lot of times we turn on YouTube and we pull up a little video and they like to sing and dance. And there's one song that's their favorite. And oh, do they love it. And when we pull up that video and hit play, you just, you should see, you guys got to come over and see my kids dance around the room. It's wonderful. But guess what's happening right now? Before we get to watch their favorite song and their favorite video, we have to watch a little 15-second commercial convincing us that if we elect a certain person, the world's going to explode or something like that. And so we sit there and we wait, and it's so frustrating. And by the way, did I mention what song it is? Old MacDonald had a farm. Okay, so apparently that's the plan is to make sure that my kid, who's uh, the oldest one, has another 15 years before he votes. But he's not going to vote for that guy, I'll tell you, because... Uh, because of that uh, commercial. So number one, uh, driving me nuts, or it drives me nuts to see all these uh, political ads all the time because they're so pervasive. Here's the second reason. I see a little bit of myself in those ads. Because the truth is, I, like I would imagine everybody in this room, have uh, torn somebody down in order to lift myself up. And you know the old saying, you know, you hate the most in others, the thing that you hate the most in yourself. And so when I see those ads, part of it gets me because I know I've done what they do. I know that I have uh, tore somebody down or said things about them that may even not have been true just to make them look bad because I think that'll make me look better. And I think if you're honest, you realize you've done that too. And so we're going to look at uh, this commandment today because what we're needing to see from this commandment is that God... Uh, wants us to lift people up with our words, not tear them down. And it's really only the gospel that can empower us to do that. God wants us to lift people up when we speak, not tear people down. And it's only the gospel that can do that. So let's, here's how we're going to do that. We'll give you a little roadmap. We're going to talk about what the ninth commandment is and then why we break it and then how to obey it, what it is, why we break it, and how to obey it. Let's pray. Father, you are so good, and we aren't, uh, but we just rejoice in the finished work of our Lord and Savior Jesus. We rejoice knowing your Holy Spirit is in us, showing us we belong to you, and that it's good and right for us to respond positively to your law and to uh, drink deeply of the, the power of the gospel. Would you help us to do that this morning? Would you use this time as we look at your word to make us into disciples, to equip us to make disciples of all nations, which is the mission that you've given to us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. What is the ninth commandment? Ninth commandment, Exodus twenty sixteen. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Let me explain what this is really getting at here. When we talk about people, which is going to happen, at work, at school, we're always going to have to mention other people and talk about people. And God wants us to know that when we talk about other people, uh, he's, he calls us to stick to what's true and only what is true and try to look out for 
the person's reputation. So when we're talking about other people in front of people, we need to make sure that the person that we're talking about, that we're only sticking to what we know is true and that we're looking out for their reputation. See, keep in mind that these commandments, uh, the second table of the law, as we call them, number five through ten, they have to do primarily with our interactions with other human beings. We looked at the first four commandments, and those are primarily uh, our relationship with God, the vertical relationship, you could say. And so the rest, six, or five through ten, have to do with our horizontal relationship. It's the way that we need to be treating people in order to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And so take, for example, the fifth commandment, if you remember, is uh, honor your mother and father. And that teaches us not only to honor our parents, but also to respect authority. So as we engage with people, we're called to respect authority. The sixth commandment, you shall not kill reminds us as, as we engage with other people, we should not kill them. And uh, number seven is to respect marriage, okay? You shall not commit adultery, teaches us as we engage with people, we need to respect and protect marriage. Uh, eighth commandment, last week Mike talked about you shall not, not, or you shall not steal. And that teaches us that as we deal with other people, we need to respect their property, help protect their property. And the ninth commandment is what we're looking at today. And one of the main things about this is that God wants us to respect and protect people's reputation. He doesn't want us tearing people down and trying to make people look bad. And here's how we see this. There's two parts of this commandment. If you're still looking at your Bible, and please you know, have your Bibles out. We're going to go in Luke uh, in a little bit here. But um, if we think about these two things in the commandment itself, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. False testimony is one of those things, and that would be saying something that's untrue, even slightly untrue. And then against your neighbor is the rest of the sentiment. Don't say things that are against someone, meaning don't say things that will hurt someone. And that's where the concept of watching out for people's reputation comes in. God is calling us to not say things that are untrue, even if they're slightly untrue, in order to hurt somebody's reputation. Reputation is important. Always has been. Always will be. You want your reputation intact. I want my reputation intact. Scripture teaches that's a good thing. Uh, A good name is better than fine perfume, it says in Ecclesiastes 7 verse 1. And Proverbs 22, verse 1, a good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. So the reality is uh, our reputation is important. God knows that and we know that. And so God is calling us to make sure we're not saying things about people that are either untrue or that could damage their reputation. Because the reality is one of the tendencies of fallen human beings is to say things, take a shot at somebody to try to take them down a notch or to say something horrifically wrong just to hurt them and tear them down. Uh, Edith Schaefer says it this way. She says, ever since the fall, people have been putting each other in a bad light in order to shine by contrast. Uh, True confessions during the first service when I mentioned uh, Ecclesiastes 7.1, a good name is better than fine perfume. I mentioned a certain Brad Pitt commercial that's on TV right now. And uh, somebody lovingly came up to me after the sermon and said, uh, did you see what you did? And I did. It. I made a comment about that commercial being silly or whatever. And uh, I, Brad, I don't know Brad Pitt, and he did that commercial, and that's fine. But you've got to see. It's so easy. It's so part of our culture. It's so countercultural to care about truth and to care about people's reputation. So even in a sermon on the Ninth Commandment, you can break the Ninth Commandment. Guilty. But let's think about this, too. 
Um, the commandment is, 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 it reads as if it's about legal testimony, as if it's about court. And that's because it is. Let me explain why that is. Uh, God wants to, or God, God frames it in the Ten Commandments in the legal sense so that the, the, the first and foremost focus of it is that if we are in court, we should not say something that's untrue or something that will damage somebody's reputation, which those two things go hand in hand, obviously. Um, and so it's, it's important that we understand that the worst possible place for you to say something even slightly untrue or damaging to someone's reputation, the worst place you could do that would be in court, of course. That's why it's phrased that way in the Ten Commandments, so that we see this is the worst place it could do, but it does apply to all of life. But think about this. Obviously, the worst place to lie about somebody would be in court. Maybe some of you know uh, of the movie Conviction. Have you seen that? It's a good movie. Hillary Swank, uh, it's a couple of years ago. And um, it's about this woman, Real. it's a true story, about this woman named Betty Ann Waters. Betty Ann Waters had a brother, has a brother. And uh, this brother was arrested for murder and tried and convicted and went to jail to serve a life sentence. But Betty Ann was convinced that he didn't do it. In her heart, she just knew. Her brother was a bad guy. He'd had a lot of run-ins with the law, but she just deep down, she knew there's no way he did this. So what did she do? Uh, She was a high school dropout at the time, so she dropped back in, got her GED, then went to college, then went to law school, then passed the bar and became a lawyer all across a couple decades to work on one case. And even though she's a lawyer, she's not a lawyer anymore. She works at a diner. But she did it because she wanted a shot at proving her brother's innocence. And spoiler alert, she succeeds. Sorry about that. You can still see the movie. It's still good. If not, sorry. But here's the thing. She was able to overturn the conviction. Two reasons. One, DNA testing had come a long way and they were able to uh, show some things that made it very unlikely that it was him who committed the murder. But the other thing is this. She was able to go back and interview several of the people who had testified against her brother and they admitted that they had lied. It's a true story. So this man went to jail for a couple decades serving a life sentence until his sister jumped in and saved the day and freed him. And so obviously the worst possible place for you to tell a lie about somebody or to say something that's even untrue would be in court. And so that's why God phrases it that way in the Ten Commandments. But the thing is, we have to realize, it's phrased that way to show that that's the worst. That's the ultimate worst way to do that. But it applies to all of life. It applies to our day-to-day life. God is calling us, when we talk about people, to make sure we stick to the truth and to make sure we're watching out for people's reputation. So I would say that I would invite you to join me in repenting of this, because I know that I'm guilty of it. I mean, just an hour ago. Uh, but, but not only that, uh, I know that throughout my life there have been several times where I have done just that. I have said something that's maybe slightly untrue or whatever in order to make someone else uh, look bad, and, and, uh, and I think that you know that you've done that too. So I would say that we should choose as a church, as a body of believers, to really fight hard against this. And the beautiful thing is that we can do that. We can work together to do this. Let me show you a little spectrum. Here's something we need to be thinking about. When we're talking about other people to people, 
there's sort of a spectrum where untruth is going to come in. Uh, if you are talking about something that you're not sure whether it's true or not, but you're maybe talking about it as if it's true, or you know that mentioning it will have an effect on somebody's reputation, that would be gossip. And this commandment calls us to stay clear of gossip. It's harmful. Okay? But the worst case scenario then would be slander. That's where you're sure something is false, but you say it anyway. And there's probably a handful of us that are guilty of outright slander. Um, and, uh, but I would say that everybody in this room, I'm sure, has uh, been guilty of gossip. So it's so important that we see that and that we help each other. And this morning, after this morning's service was a beautiful example. Somebody came up to me and lovingly said to me, by the way, uh, I kind of caught you you know, breaking the ninth commandment. And it was, it was huge for me because it gives me the opportunity to repent in this service. And it gives me a, a reminder that this is how it's going to have to happen. We're going to have to, as a church, choose to love each other enough to be bold, to stop each other when we're talking and getting into things that might be considered gossip. There's another example. Just recently, I was in a conversation with someone who was, uh, we were talking about something completely unrelated to this sermon, but that person told me that they had to discontinue a uh, friendship with somebody, at least for a time, because every time they were meeting with that friend, their conversation seemed to head towards gossip and they didn't want to be involved in that, so they shut it down. And I thought, that's beautiful. That's powerful. That is faith in God. That is faith in action uh, to do something like that. And I, I think that as we see this, as we feel the call to repent of, of some of our ways in the way we talk about people and the way we tend to tear people down sometimes, uh, as we repent as a church and help each other as a church, I want the open invitation to be out there. Anybody you hear me you know, messing up on this, I want to know. Because I want to grow. And I think you want to grow too. And so we can do this in our life groups. We can do this as a church and move forward in obedience uh, to the ninth commandment. So that's what it is. That's what it is. The ninth commandment is really focused on uh, making sure that we're not saying things about people that are untrue. Making sure we're not trying to tear people down and hurt their reputation. Let's talk about why we break it. Why do we break the ninth commandment? Where does it come from? You know what it is? The reason we tend to tear other people down is because we're all so desperate to be lifted up. That is one of our deep desires for us to be lifted up. And so our sinful heart calls out to us when we are feeling that desire to be lifted up, our sinful heart calls out and says, climb. You want to be up, you climb up. And so what do we do when, you know, because we long to be seen as powerful or smart or thin or funny or successful, if we see people that seem to have the things that we want, we go ahead and take a shot at them. We try to pull them down. We try, in essence, to try to climb up on top of them so that we might look better. And really what it is, is the problem is it's it's from trusting in our own righteousness. When we are trusting in our own righteousness to be seen as good, either before God or before other people, that's what's going to happen. We're going to tear people down. Open with me to Luke 18, 9 through 14. It's on page 1038 if you're using one of the Bibles that we provide. Uh, Luke 18, 9 through 14. Uh, really powerful passage here. Jesus tells a parable to people who are trusting in their righteousness. I want us to see this and uh, see how this plays out in, in conjunction with the ninth commandment. So here we are, Luke 18, 9 through 14. This is God's word. 
To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all that I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And so Jesus says, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And see, the the Pharisee in this story, what Jesus was showing is that this man was trusting in his own righteousness, and so the automatic response is to look down on people. And I would say this also applies to who trying to push people down, trying to label people or even tear people down or attack their reputation. Look how he noticed how he said uh, um, about the tax collector, had to mention this guy standing next to him. And so because this man was trusting in his own righteousness, he's looking down on other people and he's even trying to climb up on top of them and make himself look better. And that's the source. That's where we get it. Because when we are, are believing that we have to earn our own righteousness, that we have to earn our own good, right standing before God. Uh, here's what happens. You know, we start to ask ourselves, at least subliminally, am I good enough? Am I good enough? It's something that goes through our minds a lot. I'm sure it goes through your mind. Am I good enough? And when we're thinking that way, what happens is we start to see the world as if there's two groups of people, good people and bad people. And we know that logically there's a line somewhere that divides the good people from the bad people. And of course, we want to be above that line. And so we are very often willing to climb up on people and push them down so that we feel like we're more exalted or more higher up. Good example of this, uh, or at least an illustration, I guess, would be the show The Biggest Loser. Have you seen that? Biggest Loser is all about the what? The yellow line. Right. Uh, if you haven't seen that show, it's a great show. Amazing transformation in these people's lives. But what they do is they go to try to lose a tremendous amount of weight and they do. And in the process, each week there's a weigh in. And at the weigh in, uh, they, they see who's lost the most weight. And the two people who have lost the least amount of weight are below the yellow line. And that means they're subject to being voted off the show. So all week long, these people are working hard. They're doing everything they can. They're just, you know, working their selves silly, trying to make sure that they do not fall below the yellow line. And I think even Christians who know and believe the gospel fall into what I call yellow line Christianity. Meaning that we start to forget where righteousness comes from and we start to think that we need to earn it. And so what happens is we begin to do anything we can. We'll work as hard as we can to feel like we're in that good category, even if it means climbing over people and pushing people down and tearing people down so that they look bad because that might make me help or help me feel like I'm better than I really am. And so that's where this comes from. The source of tearing people down is trusting in your own righteousness. And here's the truth. Uh, You and I will never be able to obey the ninth commandment while we're trusting in our own righteousness, while we think that our goodness is based on what we do. We're never going to be able to do that, uh, on that in that regard. And the reality is, the, the sad thing is, it doesn't work. Uh, Jesus shows us that uh, he who exalts himself is humbled, and he th- who humbles himself is exalted. 
So that's the saddest part about all this. It doesn't work. So let me, let me say this. Uh, everybody, we all need to realize that when we do that, when we tear people down, it is because we're trusting in our own righteousness. So let me ask you a question. Here's a little test to see how you deal with it. Um, how do you react when somebody, your friend or maybe a coworker, particularly somebody that you're maybe on the same level with, any, any type of you know, competition is possible or something between you and this person, how do you react when they're praised? Is that exciting for you? Do you love that? Or is there something in you that kind of wants to take them down a notch? Maybe your uh, friend Robert at work is getting a promotion and everybody's talking about it at the water cooler and they're saying, you know, it's great, Robert's getting this promotion, he sure deserves it. And you're like, yeah, you know what, Robert doesn't recycle or something like that. You know, you you can't help but to like blurt out this this something, I got to take him down, I got to take him down a notch. He can't be seen as better than me. It happens, right? But the sad part is, it can happen far worse than that. Who cares if Robert recycles? The reality is, if uh, you're saying something that is really untrue or really damaging to uh, his relationship, that's, that's very sad. And it's not the way that God is calling us to live. So uh, we have to think about that and realize that if you do that, if you feel that compulsion to sort of take people down a notch, what you're really feeling are chains. You're feeling chains. You're feeling like when somebody is praised, you have to do something. That's slavery. And our gracious God wants us to be free. So let's talk about that. We've talked about what the ninth commandment is and why we break it, trusting in our own righteousness. Now let's talk about how we obey it. How do we do it? If the problem is self-righteousness or trusting in our own righteousness, the solution is, is to believe the gospel and to receive and trust in Christ's righteousness and live our lives trusting not in our own righteousness, but in the righteousness that we are given by Christ. Mark Driscoll uh, is known for saying that there are not good people and bad people in the world. There are bad people and Jesus. Okay? And when we realize that, when we realize that we're all sinners, we've all sh- fallen short of the glory of God, and therefore none of us can earn our righteousness at all, when we hear loud and clear Isaiah, who says in his book, in 64 verse 6, he says, All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Here's what he's saying in that. It's very freeing. What he's saying is that, Even if we wanted to try to do things that would build up our own righteousness, it's impossible. Because even when we do good things, which we should, it's good to do good things, it's good to do good deeds, God is glorified by those, people are blessed by those, but those things do not count as righteousness. Because remember, sin affects every part of our life, and therefore we can't trust in any of our own righteousness or own goodness or the things that we do in order to be right with God. We can't do that. We can't, and, and, and then in, in regards to uh, this, this commandment, as soon as you realize that it's absolutely pointless to tear somebody down so that you feel like you're more righteous, it, you, when you realize that, it's like this. It's like you're in a pool, in the middle of a pool, and you're by your friend, and it's like you want to get out of the water, so you try to climb up on your friend. Know what happens? You both go down. Okay, I've been there. But here's the thing. This is, it's, this is how futile it is. In the same way, you cannot climb up out of the water on top of somebody who's in the pool. You cannot climb up into righteousness on your own merit, by your own 
good works. You can't do that. And here's why that is so absolutely freeing. What that says is the the playing field is level. Nobody's better than anybody else because people are either righteous or they're not. And if they're in Christ, if they believe in Christ, they are absolutely righteous. And if they don't, they are not. But there's there's a level playing field. We cannot earn, so climbing is pointless. And that leads us to the gospel itself, this amazing gospel that Jesus Christ came not only to die and take away our sin, but to live this perfect life, this life filled with righteousness so that he could hand that to you and me, so that on our record is not all the sin that we've committed, but the righteousness of Christ 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made Jesus who had no sin to be sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. And so here's this amazing news. It's so freeing to realize that the more we believe in the gospel and, and receive Christ's righteousness, when our old self, when the world, the flesh, and the devil is, is calling out to us and saying, climb, 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 we can hear the sweet voice of the Holy Spirit who just simply says, no, no, lift. You are free to lift people up with your words. You are free to point out all the good things about people. You are free to stay out of the mess of trying to make people look bad. You're free to lift. And think about that. Oh, what a, what a marvelous way to live. What, what such a beautiful picture that we are set free to lift people up whenever we talk about them. It's so much better than the alternative. And the reality is the alternative really does a lot of damage. You know, and anybody who's been lied about knows how damaging it is. And just in case any of us are not sure how much damage, how much pain can be a result of false testimony against your neighbor, I want you to think for a second about all the sin and misery in the world and how it got here. Because it was the result of false testimony. If you were to turn back to Genesis and look in the beginning, you would see that Adam and Eve were created good and they were walking with God in the cool of the day. They had perfect harmony. And then what happens? In slithers the devil and he gives false testimony against God. Did God really say that? Nah, you won't die. God just doesn't want you to be like him. That's what he said. And so they believed him. And in believing his lie, they took from the forbidden fruit they ate and caused all the sin and misery that's in this world to be in this world. So if there's one thing we can't do, it's balk at this or say it's not that big a deal. It's huge. It's huge. Another thing, too. This has been very helpful for me. Some of us have been really hurt by someone lying about us in order to make us look bad. I'm in that club. I bet most of us are in that club. I mean, if you went through third grade, you're in that, you're in that club, okay? But some of us, even as adults, have had really ruthless things said about us, some flat-out lies, and it's damaged our re- reputation. It's made us look real bad. Maybe irreparable harm has been done to us. But I want you to realize something. Nobody, I mean, nobody knows what you've been through more than God. He was lied about in the garden. He's been lied about by false prophets and people who want to say all sorts of things about God is this or God is that or God doesn't even exist. Nobody is lied about as much as God is. Nobody. 
And therefore, nobody knows exactly what you're going through the way he does. Nobody is equipped to minister to you and to shepherd you and to lift you up out of that pain like he is. Nobody is equipped to teach you how to forgive people who have done these terrible things against you like he is. So those of us in the club that have been lied about pretty bad, we got to take it to the Lord. And he's ready and willing and able to help us manage that pain, learn to forgive, and to move on. But you know what? There's something else too. This One of my favorite things about God is how he is uh, invariably able to bring really good things out of really bad situations. I don't know how he does it, but he does it all the time. And I want you to think about this. The proof. If you're wondering whether or not God can bring good out of the situation in which you were lied about and it hurt you, hurt your reputation, if you want the proof, I want you to think about why Jesus went to the cross. And yes, usually when we talk about that, we say, well, Jesus went to the cross to pay for my sin. Amen. Absolutely. That's the gospel, baby. But how did that happen? Why was it? Why was it? Why were the Romans able to put him on a cross? False testimony. Look at this from Edith Schaefer. She says, Jesus bore false accusations and false witness for us. One of the worst sufferings I can imagine that Jesus had was to be falsely accused of not being the Son of God. He died because of false testimony, as he had done no wrong thing. Yet his accusers were able to get a judgment against him. In dying for us, he took the false accusation for us and bore the penalty which belonged to us, not to him. What an amazing exchange. This is the God we worship, my friends. This is this amazing and powerful and glorious God who not only loves us more than we could ever imagine, but he shows us in his word that he can take the worst of situations and turn them into the best of situations in the same way that all the sin and misery ended up coming into the world, false testimony. God sets it up so that that false testimony would be part of how he puts his son on the cross to remove all the sin and misery from the world. Now, obviously, we know we're not there yet. He has completely removed all the sin from our record for those of us who believe. And one day, he is coming back and he'll take all the sin and misery out of this place. And you and me, who don't deserve this, not even close, you and me who've broken the ninth commandment, broken all the commandments, you and me, we get to spend eternity being made perfect and unable to sin in a place where everybody else has been made perfect and unable to sin with our perfect God for the perfect amount of time, which is forever and ever and ever. That's when he comes back. And so as we think about this, one application is obviously to really look at our lives and say, I want to be a person and I want to be part of a church that avoids gossip and avoids slander. I want to be part of a, I want to be a person and I want to be part of a church that when we speak about people, we stick to the truth and we look to protect people's reputation. That's one. And number two is let's get out there and let's make disciples. Let's reach the nations. Let's do what it's going to take. Let's go to the nations with the gospel because when they've all heard, Jesus comes back, takes all the sin and misery out, and then we begin perfect eternity together. And that is true testimony about the one true God. Let's pray. Father, you are uh, 
so gracious. And we thank you that you love us so much. That you would send your son. Thank you that uh, you consider his righteousness, our righteousness through faith. Uh, Father, would you help us? Would you give us your Holy Spirit to begin to see where in our lives we are in violation of the ninth commandment so that we can bring you more glory, so that we can be more of a blessing to other people, so that we can make disciples of more nations. Thank you, Father. Uh, We pray that you'd be blessed by uh, the rest of our worship as we continue to lift up your name, to lift up the name of our great and glorious King Jesus, for it is in his name we pray. Amen. We at University Presbyterian Church thank you for listening to this message. Our mission is to help people know God, grow together, and serve others. To learn more about the church or how to have a vital relationship with God, visit our website at www.upc-orlando.com or call our offices at 407-384-3300.